Welcome to Mind, Body, and Spite, where each episode we will be taking a deep dive into the disorders of both mind and body with a hell of a lot of spite thrown in. We are not medical doctors, therefore the information and opinions contained in this podcast should not be taken as medical advice. Although, with as much research as we've done, we really should get honorary degrees. So sit back, relax, and learn some fancy medical terminology, the signs and symptoms of a disorder, and how to survive. Then, learn how it really feels. This episode, we are going to be talking about complex regional pain syndrome. And before we started this podcast, I had never even heard of this. We got done recording our very first episode and Leah brought up, oh, well, we can do, you know, CRPS. I'm like, what the hell is that? And she started explaining it to me. I'm like, dear God, that sounds like utter hell. I hadn't heard of it until so, five minutes ago, right yeah. before we said we were going to record this. I hadn't this. heard of it until I got diagnosed with it. So yeah, the Mayo Clinic overview is complex regional pain syndrome is a form of chronic pain that usually affects an arm or a leg. It typically develops after an injury, a surgery, a stroke, or a heart attack. Pain is out of proportion to the severity of the initial injury. It is uncommon, and the cause is not understood. Treatment is most effective when started early. Nailed it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Symptoms. Continuous burning or throbbing pain. Yep. Uh, Sensitivity to cold or touch. Yep. Swelling of the painful area. Yes. Changes in skin temperature, alternating between sweaty and cold. Yes. Changes in skin color. Yes. (laughs) Skin texture. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Uh, Muscle spasms, tremors, and weakness. Yep. Joint stiffness. Yep. Oh, this is a fun one. (laughs) Changes in hair and nail growth. I don't think I had that one. Which limb are we discussing? For me, it was my right leg. Foot and leg. So yeah, so that was, and then just decreased ability to move, which obviously. <laughs> yeah. So those are kind of Mayo Clinic uh-huh. overview and symptoms. Pretty accurate, yeah. So I guess maybe start with what led up to it, how it developed, and then how, like, you're just the story of getting diagnosed. Yeah. So I was 20 at the time, maybe. I have a history of chronic pain and illness no stranger to pain and a relatively high pain tolerance. And I think that's relevant for this story. So I was in, I was visiting my brother. It was on a family trip. We were going for his grad school graduation and we were in his apartment and I was carrying a cheese board to the table for us all to eat and enjoy and rolled my foot the wrong way and it hurt. That's all I thought of it was just that it hurt, and I went along my merry way. Again, high pain tolerance, not concerned about it. We go about our time. My foot starts to swell. Again, whatever. We'll deal with it when we get home. We get home, and I'm having some trouble walking, so I went and got an x-ray, and it turns out that I had just, like, a hairline fracture on my right foot, on, like, the, the side of my right foot. No big deal. They're like, you can use crutches if you want. You can wrap it if you want. But really just live your life and it'll heal on its own. So I continued on my merry way, living my life, feeling the pain, but nothing crazy. I was, it was summertime and I was going to be 
office, spending the summer at home, and then going to Philadelphia for a little bit for an internship. And so I'm super excited about that, but navigating how am I going to do this if I have a fracture or whatever. And then I there was one night, and I remember it so, so, so clearly. I had my x-ray. I had been told it was this fracture and no big deal. And I'm sitting in a, a chair with my foot elevated. And I just started having this blinding pain. Ooh. My foot's under a blanket at the time. And I am I'm weeping. Yeah. I'm just beside myself in pain. I can't even really explain the pain. I mean, your body doesn't really remember pain. But I can't really even explain it. I just, out of nowhere, and it was in my foot. And that was so confusing to me because I had been living with this fracture for a while. And I was fine. Do uh, you remember about how long... The injury had lasted before like that pain maybe a week or two I was diagnosed super super early okay so just within a few weeks. a few weeks okay yeah and it was it was mind-numbing it was so painful and I'm sitting there crying and you know what was me not sure what's going on my parents came over to check on me and we pulled back the blanket to look at my foot and my entire foot was purple Wow. Ooh. and it was swollen, and I, if my eyes were closed, I would have told you that my foot was on fire, literal yeah. fire, engulfed in flames. But if you touched it, it was ice cold, wow. like 10 degrees less than my left foot. It was a very weird thing to see. So, and, and that happened within a few hours then. Yeah. Like, so you sat down, I'm going to prop up my leg, I'm going to cover up, and then like an hour later, it's yeah. doubled, tripled in size. Wow. Yeah. That is so scary. Yeah. And so we had a family friend that does this kind of work, and my mom called him. He was the one that ordered the x-ray for us to get my foot looked at to begin with. And so my mom called him, and he came over and looked at it and knew right away what it was. And it was phrased to me at the time of, like, basically is what the nail clinic said, where it's just like an out-of-proportion reaction to an injury, which in so many ways is saying – it's, it's in your head. Yeah. But, but there was a reason for it. Like, this is actually what it is, which the irony of having something that is all in my head is not lost on me, given how many times I was told that with other illnesses growing up. The approach to treating it is physical therapy. And, Wait, I have a question. Yeah. So how did it feel? You said you got diagnosed, like, pretty immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, I know other diagnoses you really had to fight for. Mm-hmm. How did it feel to get this one diagnosed so immediately? It didn't feel like anything at the time. And the reason I say that is because it was so, to me, it was so attributed to a broken foot that it didn't feel like something I was fighting for. I didn't find out until much later that this is actually a chronic condition. At the time, in my mind, I was like, oh, this is a side effect of a broken foot, and that's it. And so for me, it was like, obviously you can diagnose that because x-rays are a thing. You can see that, like, something is broken. So to me, it felt like getting diagnosed with strep. It felt like something that was more run-of-the-mill. I didn't know how rare it was. I didn't know that it's chronic. I didn't know any of those things for a while. So, like, you thought that, oh, maybe I should have been using crutches. Maybe I just put too much weight on it. Yeah, I think I just thought at the time, like, of a fucking course I'm going to have something else with it. Whatever. And I didn't really think much of it. And I was very trusting of, like, okay, so I have to do physical therapy for a little while. That's a pretty common thing to have to do when you break something. Like, okay, whatever. And I think I was a 
little more focused on the fact that I had big summer plans Mm -hmm. and I was more trying to figure out in my mind, how do I do this internship at this fast paced company that I'm super passionate about with a broken foot? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it didn't sink in until a little bit later, but I started the physical therapy. I came to learn that like physical therapy is the approach. My first round of physical therapy was not the approach. Mm-hmm. So I was doing a lot of visual exercises with my physical therapy. So the, the premise is that you essentially need to trick your brain into recognizing that there's nothing wrong. And so I would sit there and I would, they would put like, the visual of this is hilarious. They would put a mirror between my legs so that if I'm looking at the mirror, I'm seeing my left leg and the mirror image of it that's a healthy, non-purple, non And they do that leg. with amputees. Yes. Yeah. It was being treated as that, as wow. like phantom limb. It didn't work for me. I might, that, that form of therapy might work for other people. It didn't work for me. And I went to Philadelphia I don't know how to not do things that I'm supposed to do when I'm in pain and I tend to put my suffering to the side and continue on with my career aspirations. Well, we which get, is a story for another time. We get so irritated that we have to put so many things aside. We're like, yeah. no, doing this thing. Yeah. Yeah. So my foot's still purple, mm-hmm. it's still swollen, it hurts to do anything. Put things into perspective. We went on a family vacation before I went to, or right when I got to Philadelphia, and it was on a beach. I actually couldn't go out on the beach because wind hurt. Wind was, like, mind-numbing. It was the most painful thing I had ever experienced. I had to have, in a car, I had to have pillows under my foot so that it wouldn't Mm. feel as much of the vibration from the car and the road. Probably the weight pulling down. Yep. I... Ironically enough, the most comfortable shoes for me at the time were like really thick platforms because there was some form of cushion between my foot and hard ground. So it was things like that. And, you know, I came to learn later that it's actually like one of the most painful of conditions that exists in the world. Oh, so. Um, yeah. yeah. No biggie. <laughs> so, we're, so we're in Philly. Yeah. How long has it been since you? A couple months, maybe like a month or two. So it's still going on, and you're, yeah. And you're, how are you feeling about that? Are you concerned? Are you? I started getting concerned, and so in the beginning, what was hard with the treatment was that because I was diagnosed so early, I still had the fracture. So from a physical therapy standpoint, you know, I could do some things, but I also still had to let the fracture heal. And then I got to Philadelphia, and. Things had gotten so much worse, and ironically enough, there is a doctor in Philadelphia through the Children's Hospital there, lovingly referred to as CHOP, and he specializes in this. Like, this is his thing. And so they, I don't know how, but they were willing to see me. I was 21 at the time, so 20 or 21 at the time, so not the typical (laughs) age for somebody at the Children's Hospital, but he was a specialist, and he was willing to see me, and so... I went and I saw him when I got there, and he put things into perspective for me in a way that I hadn't really experienced. So I took to Google before I got there because things were getting worse, and and that was when I found out that it was chronic. And I was like, the tears that fell from my eyes. As a therapist, I have to ask, I like, but a feeling's going in front of you. Yeah. How did it feel to learn that it was chronic? Tina's laughing because I'm only a therapist. I mean, it was devastating. I felt so hopeless Mm -hmm. to have another chronic illness, and not just any chronic illness, but another chronic pain Mm -hmm. diagnosis, and one that is unknown and difficult. 
difficult to treat, difficult to understand, and literally in your head. And that was the big thing was that I've been told that things are in my head my whole life and they never were. And to now have something that technically is, it's like, I'm fucking crazy. Like, this is absurd that I now have a disease that is actually in my head. And I just felt awful. I felt horrible about myself. I felt horrible about my circumstance. I felt like there's no way that I could survive another chronic illness, another chronic pain diagnosis. Did it make you question other diagnoses? Later, it did. Not at the time. But so I went to see this specialist, and this is what he does. This is what he studies. There are two different types of it. I have type 1, which is the more common type, and that is the, that's the type that results from an injury like that. And so he runs a clinic that kids are hospitalized for this, and, wow. and they have to do the most intense physical therapy for six hours a day, gets to the point for some people where you actually do have to have your limb amputated. So it can get really, really, really severe, and that's part of the problem of it going untreated for so long. Again, I was lucky that I got the, I might have not gotten the correct approach to treatment right away, but I had the diagnosis right away. And so I was able to kind of do my own research, find the guy, have the conversations. And so his approach, and I... Because it worked for me, I'm going to say this in the sense that, like, this is the approach. Obviously, other things work for other people, but his approach is the most intense physical therapy you can possibly dream of. And she already described some of this to me, and I'm, like, already <laughs> inter- internally cringing. All right. <laughs> I've, been, I've been a PT. Throw it at me. Yeah. What, what so, the- it's like, so, and I'm coming at this from a place of somebody that doesn't, engage in much physical activity like I love taking a nice leisurely walk but I'm not one to exercise and so it's just like intense running it's intense like interval training there was one part where I had to do like a crab walk like back and forth and I had to do it multiple times and each time I had to beat my time and if I didn't beat my time then I had to just keep doing it and doing it and doing it and keep in mind I'm doing this in excruciating pain. Are we sure this was a PT as in physical therapist and not personal trainer? Yes, which is wild, right? And so there's all of the physical aspect of it. I had to do at least two hours a day of this with a a foot that felt like it was... You wanted to cut it off. I wanted to cut it off. It was so, so painful. And the, the point behind it is that you are literally tricking your brain into thinking there is nothing. So you are pushing yourself to the limit because you have to tell your brain that you can. Right. So in addition to that, right, so you do the physical therapy. You're doing that two hours a day. I was going two hours a day on my own, and then a couple times a week I'm going in, and they're guiding me through the physical therapy. There are other things that I had to be doing at home in tandem. So I had to have, at all times, a piece of Velcro inside my shoe rubbing against where the break was. I'm assuming the hook part, not the soft part. Correct. <laughs> okay, Correct. I'm thinking, we're all therapists here. Yeah. Does this kind of remind you of exposure therapy? Yeah, like, a little bit, yeah. Exposure therapy being when you keep getting exposed to the distressing stimuli until your body learns it's safe. Yes. You're pushing your ankle and foot to the limit so your body thinks yeah. it's safe. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is you can't take anything. Mm-hmm. Because if you take anything, then you're reinforcing yeah. that there's something wrong. Oh. So no Advil, no Tylenol, nothing. Uh, 
do anything to comfort the pain because that I, tells you. Yeah, yeah. The ice on it is it's an injury. And then keep in mind, I don't work out, so my all my muscles are sore. Right. <laughs> I can't take Advil yeah. to soothe any of that. So there's that component. I also had to do a lot of temperature therapy and so you know it started in my foot by the time I was like in Philadelphia and treating it it was all the way up to my knee Mm. Um, and so I would have to put my leg in hot water and then ice cold water and I had to keep alternating to feel those sensations and to you know it's just putting yourself through very extreme circumstances to trick your brain into thinking that everything's fine the one you described to me was when you actually had to physically oh, watch yeah. yourself hit yeah. your leg. I had to hit myself a lot, a lot of punching and a lot of scratching or, like, using a brush or something mm-hmm. to rub. And, like, I had to watch myself do it. A lot of it is the, the physical act of, like, watching yourself and seeing that nothing bad is happening. But, I mean, it just, I can't even describe yeah. how painful it that is. It's like somebody saying you're not on fire when you're like, I see flames on me. I yeah. am on fire. And they're like, no, you're not. Yeah. That's the only way I can even think to start describing it. Is yeah. It's nasty. Yeah. And I am fortunate that I got in, that I got diagnosed early, that I got into a treatment early. It took me, I, I want to say probably six months maybe to get into remission Um, and how are you balancing this with the internship silently (laughs) (laughs) like knee scooter going on or were you just no because you can't oh you have to walk on it right you have to oh god right (laughs) my my brain was like great i don't have to tell anybody because that reinforces that something wrong so that was just an unhealthy thought pattern for myself Mm -hmm. to have anyways but i didn't i didn't tell anybody i just went along and let myself be in pain because I was that was part of it now was there a healthy balance where I probably could have told somebody something and not had to do as much as I was doing while working because I was carrying a lot of very heavy things probably but you know we do what we do immersion exposure therapy yeah exactly so I yeah it probably took about six months to get into remission now the thing is and this is where I struggle still today is that this is chronic I know what to do if it happens, but I do live in constant fear that it, like, if I stub my toe, I'm, like, very afraid that something is going to happen. Is it more likely to be triggered by another injury, or can it It just pop up out of nowhere? More likely an injury. So, yeah, so very afraid of stubbing toes. Yeah. Is type 2 the no injury? Yes, yeah, I believe so. I should confirm that. So, type 2 is a distinct nerve injury. Okay. Type one is the illness or injury that didn't directly like, damage nerves, and so that's more of that like thought process. But type one is ninety percent cases. Okay. So I now live in a place of like, and I'm a clumsy person, so I just constantly I find myself. What I do now, if I stub my toe or if I I've almost broken bones a few times here and there since then, and I'm very 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 quick to move it. You know, I'm very quick to tell my brain nothing. And say like everything's fine. I'm totally fine. Nothing's broken. Everything's fine. You do the rice, and you're like, no, you're not supposed to do that. You're like, I fell. I'm gonna run on it right now. Running at five k right now. Exactly. Exactly. So you almost have to go against everything. Now, what if it's an actual injury though? Has that ever happened? (laughs) It has. Yeah. So I am one in that situation 
I broke a toe, and that was a difficult, I was like really, really scared mm-hmm. that it was going to come back. But if I do injure myself, this is the one place in my life where I'm very, very quick to get it looked at. Mm-hmm. So if I suspect that something is broken, I'm very quick to get an x-ray because I need to know if it's not broken, then I'm going to start moving it. But if it is, are you allowed to? Let it okay. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to be aware of, you know, what could happen. So um, it's like being told there is something wrong. It, like, gives your brain that permission so it doesn't overreact. I mean, it's a super unknown, obviously, thing. Uh, but I, when I went to see the specialist, I gave him, you know, my medical history. And one of the first things that he said, and now a lot of research and I've done a lot of digging and a lot of treatment, and I don't necessarily think this is the case for me, but I do think that it's an interesting notion. He wondered if some of my pelvic pain could be this. Now, it is very much a limb disease, mm-hmm. but he... Because of the time, so much was unexplained and there was so much inflammation, mm-hmm. he wondered, I don't know, could it be or could it be that the endo triggered it, right? Like that's the yeah. illness that triggered it in my pelvic region, which boy has that thrown me for a loop in my life because right. so that there's means the, the questioning of the diagnoses, like, okay, yeah. well, which ones are real? Right. Not only that, but that means, okay, don't take ibuprofen for your pain. Don't right. make a heating pad for your pain. Work out excessively when you feel pelvic pain. Like, exactly. like I wouldn't be able to use my cane yeah. because I, I have to act like there's nothing yeah. wrong. And yeah, that, that thought process became yeah. pretty destructive and not helpful for me because I do actually have endometriosis and I need to stick with like that as being the diagnosis there. But it is an interesting when you have the complex regional pain syndrome component to think about is it is it affecting other areas of my life that are just under researched. Mm-hmm. So I'm just looking up stuff about it. Did yeah. you know that bone fractures are the most common cause? Mm-hmm. Did, like, yeah. yeah, I know everything. <laughs> no, I, I really don't know everything because once I was in remission with it, I was kind of like, deuces, <laughs> I'm out. It, yeah, it, it is common in that sense. And, you know, there is, unlike anything else that I have, there is that visual component where, like, my leg was purple mm-hmm. and it was ice cold. And so it made sense, but the mind fuck of it all. So it being in your head, yeah. were medications ever offered? Not for me. Again, I mean, like I that. I assume like SSRIs maybe? So, there, so this doctor in Philadelphia, his approach is very much physical therapy and mental health. And so he did encourage me to see a therapist to talk through it as well. I did that. However, this was still in my anti-therapy phase, so it was kind of like, this is bullshit. I don't need to be doing this. I know what's happening. So I didn't lean into that side of it, but there is a mental health route that you should go as well. <laughs> I mean, I assume the suicidal ideation is high. Yeah, uh, especially, and again, like, I didn't have as severe of a case. It was caught so early, but, you know, if you... I wouldn't recommend this but if you want to google image it it's well disgusting doing it, doing it right now. <laughs> it's not pleasant right. and you can like in the photos like you can see the pain like it's just Ooh. like there's no way to look at that limb and think like that that's comfortable like oh that doesn't that can't hurt like yeah. no 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 that hurts it's like pretty disturbing to look right. at i'm waiting for Anna's yeah face. okay so here we have a foot that is a completely purple, curved up. I'll put it on the Facebook page. <laughs> is that accurate to kind of what it looked like? Wow. 
It looks yeah. very painful. Some of these look less severe than others, but it, it's like a different foot. It looks like deformed compared yeah. to the other one. Yeah, mine didn't like curl up or atrophy in any way, but it was very, very purple, very, very swollen. Like I didn't have an ankle. I didn't, like, it was just like a very, it was a tube, like yeah. pur- purple tube on my, on my leg down through my foot. So I hear people explain gout. Yeah. Kind of similar, like yeah. I, one of my husband's friends had gout, yeah. and he would say like I he couldn't even put the sheet on his yeah. foot. Mm-hmm. So you said one of the most painful disorders you've given birth, mm-hmm. you've you have endometriosis. Mm-hmm. How does this rate in pain comparison? I'm gonna say this first, and then I'll rate comparison. But at one point in time, and I don't know if this is still true, so we should look it up. But complex regional pain syndrome was ranked higher in pain than giving birth. Wow. It was like the most painful. I think I'd have to agree with it, actually, as being the most painful thing that I've experienced. And part of that, too, I mean, it was excruciating and awful, so there's that. But with giving birth, you know it's going to end. Right. And so, like, that mentality changes the pain. And that makes it mental again, too. Exactly. It's in your head. Yeah, and and I was even going to say, your brain is filling in how much it hurts. Yeah. And so, like... It's that constant feedback loop of it yeah. hurts, but it's going to hurt worse, and now it hurts worse, but it's going to hurt worse, and now it hurts yeah. worse. Yeah, versus, like, when you're giving birth, like, there, there is yeah. the mantra, like, pain with a purpose, right. pain with a purpose. Like, like you're, you're going to get to hold her afterward. Yeah. And, and, like, yeah. don't get me wrong, childbirth was fucking miserable, and if yeah. we want to do an episode on it, we can. <laughs> like, that was awful for a lot of reasons, but I knew it was going to end, and I knew that everything that I was doing was purposeful mm-hmm. and, and the end result was wanted and and not only purposeful but also natural right. like there is a part of you that's like okay my my body can do this people mm-hmm. have done this so many times before yeah. me and, and then with something like this you're like I don't I actually don't know that I can survive this right. I actually like I can't feel a breeze on my leg right. like how do you enjoy life if you can't feel a breeze on your leg and then to compare it to endo is tricky because I at that point I was years into my endodiagnosis and I was so comfortable with pelvic pain and I still am to this day there's a part of me that like really comfortable when that pain arises because I'm just so used to it Mm -hmm. but this is just it's it's such a different type of pain and it's so consuming in the way that it affects just your ability to exist so, you know, personal question, feel yeah. free to, therapist is totally coming out, <laughs> feel free to not answer if you're not comfortable. Sure. Do you have any medications, epidural? My hope was to go unmedicated. I I have a great fear of medication, medical trauma, hey And so I very much wanted, I like to feel, this sounds horrible, I don't mean I like to feel pain, but I like to feel what's happening in my body. Right. Yeah. I like to be aware of what's yeah. happening normal pain yeah or is this pain that I need to now Vocalize. really pay attention yeah to? I get very uncomfortable if I can't feel my symptoms mm-hmm. and so I had every intention of going in and doing it unmedicated and I unfortunately my water broke early and I had to go in right away because when your water breaks mm-hmm. you have to go in and I was not as far along as they wanted me to be so I was put on Pitocin Mm-hmm. pretty early on and I had a pretty nasty reaction to mm-hmm. it so my contractions turned into one big contraction I was not getting breaks between mm-hmm. 
and it was front and back labor. And I was so tense that I couldn't relax enough to dilate any further. So I did end up getting the epidural and that was, that helped from like a dilation perspective, but (laughs) everything else was not great. Yeah. Just that whole, like the bottom half of your body being numb is just, I can't even imagine that. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. It's a weird feeling, but that shows how desperate I was that I was willing to get that because that was something that I was deathly afraid of getting for me personally, but it is not comfortable. So where do they think it comes from? They don't know. Okay. So I did did a little research while you guys were talking. They think it may be related to having other inflammation in the body, like with cytokines. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Which probably makes you feel not great because the endo... But yeah, but that is partially why he was like, maybe yeah. that's what's happening in your abdomen and in your pelvic area because of the inflammation yeah, response. I mean, if it's like, what if it's in your hips? Right. And then how far is it from your hips to right. your uterus? And if it can be triggered by illness, it's like, okay, could the endo be triggering it? And then it's, okay, so what do you treat? The endo or the complex regional pain syndrome? Because the treatments are very different. Right. It looks like the nerve one is usually caused by poor nerve health, mm-hmm. like the nerves and ability to regenerate can cause it, but immune system, and they say genetics too, even though it's not, it's rare, it suggests there may be a genetic link to CRPS. Huh. Nobody in my family has it that we know of, but if they want to go break a limb and find out, <laughs> we can go and maybe out. Maybe they're just a break away. Maybe they're just a break away. <gasps> Is that a title? That might be a Are we going to get sued? <laughs> else that we have not touched on that you feel is important to share no things to look out for how to seek treatment I mean I think the honestly the biggest thing to look out for because it is visible and mm-hmm. so like if you and like there is a a pretty standard path for getting it so if you break something whether it's a finger a toe a foot or Arm, whatever, if you break something on a limb and suddenly it's purple and really painful, go talk to somebody about it. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, it doesn't hurt to ask those questions. But, like, this is one of those things where it can be treated and you can see it. Mm-hmm. You just have to know what you're looking for. So I'll leave that cautionary tale. Okay. Look for purple. <laughs> it's a wild ride, guys. Shalina here. Just here to let you know that there is a documentary called Take Care of Maya on Netflix. It is about Maya Kowalski and her family and what they had to go through after they took Maya to the hospital for unusual symptoms. So I would really like to bring a lot of attention to this documentary and have everybody go watch it to really see the effects this disorder can have on somebody's life. Do you have an obscure, rare, or not well-known disorder that you want to share? Or shine a light on and advocate for? Or just bitch and complain about? Email us at mindbodyandspite at gmail.com or reach out on our Facebook page. You can also find information about future episodes and ask questions of future guests and recommend disorders for future episodes. Check the show notes or our Facebook page for articles and references used in this episode, including media and reading recommendations. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.